Hello and welcome to the Record Rangers podcast with me, Johnny McFarlane. And this week, as ever, I'm joined by the Sunday Mail's Scott McDermott. On the pod, we talk elite standards and assess changes to Ibrox as Mark Allen looks to bring the quality of environment up a notch. Your questions answered, including reaction to Peter Lowell's Celtic comments on fan safety for their visit to Ibrox. And we preview Saturday's clash with Livingston as Rangers aim to get revenge for their 1-0 defeat in October. Scott, before we start, um, I think we should have a wee chat about moment of the week. You were just telling me about uh, a wee goal that I had a look at on Twitter before we started. Perhaps that'll be yours? Uh, well, why, why not? Um, <laughs> I take it you're talking about Greg Dockery's goal. Yeah. I'm um, setting you up, mate. I'm <laughs> teeing you up. Hit it out of the park. It was uh, good to see Greg Dockery uh, scoring a cracking goal in the FA Cup against Salford City uh, the other night. He looks as if... Uh, I remember speaking to Greg when he first moved down to Shrewsbury and of course, you know, he's a young guy, uh, it's a long way down the road. It's not exactly a cultural capital either, no, is it? No, and it's no, I mean, it's genuinely no, like, no you're moving like, around the corner, It's a no, that, that's a big move. Um, His girlfriend will be happy though, going to Shrewsbury rather than London. Oh, or. Aye, definitely. <laughs> aye. <laughs> aye, the shopping's good. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I think at the start, as I say, when I spoke to him, no, it was a big move. I think he was still probably in a bit of shock that he was he was leaving Rangers because we all know he's a big Rangers fan, and what that move to Ibrox meant to him when it when it when it happened. Um, so I think it's probably taken him a bit of time to settle in. I remember looking at you know kind of team lineups uh, f- for Shrewsbury at the start when he moved down, and he was kind of maybe in a couple of games, and he was getting taken out, and maybe t- found a bit of uh, needed a bit of time to find his feet. But it looks like he's now a, a proper player for them, and he's playing every week. He's playing centre mid, and he's getting a few goals. And he's you know, the run and finish uh, the other night against against Salford. I say the FA Cup was was terrific, and just going for you no know, stuff you see and read on social media. You know, the fans down there seem to have really really taken to him. And five listen, goals for the season now. Yeah, I mean, listen, who knows? How Greg Dockett's Rangers career's gonna go? You don't like no, no. It's with all due respect. It is at Shrewsbury Town. It's a no. It's it's a different world to to the one at Rangers. Um, but just to see him playing games every week, playing well, looking happy, that can only be good for Rangers, who are his his parent club, obviously. And no, it will come back up the road in the summer. No doubt Stephen Gerrard will take another look at him, look and see if there has been improvement and development there, both physically and mentally, I think. I, I thought, looking at that goal, physically, he looks absolutely terrific. I mean, he's, yeah. a, he's a proper physical specimen, isn't he? He is. I mean, and to play in that league, you know, which you know is really physical and the amount of games you played in there, um, as I say, seems to have, have now settled in. You know, he's, he's, he looks as if he's adapted to to the role he's been given and he's by all accounts he's playing really well so it will be interesting to see how he does f- for the rest of the season at Shrewsbury and also when Stephen Gerrard does have a look at him next pre-season and then we'll make a decision well he is still young but but Gerrard will need to make a decision whether he's going to be part of the Rangers squad for next year yeah if you've not seen that goal guys look it up on the BT Sport Twitter uh, feed that's on there and it was a it was a cracker cutting in from the right hand side and crashing the ball from an acute angle past the uh, Salford goalkeeper. My moment of the week, Scott, was the unfolding of the TV rights, where Sky are now going to be the sole provider of Scottish football, and that 
the outpouring of grief that that seemed to cause amongst many fans regarding BT Sports coverage, which they see as significantly better. The thing that's sort of not been said in, in a great deal of detail is that it is significantly better than the current deal. Not only is it more money, but it's less games covered. So that should be less upheaval for fans in terms of games switching to a Sunday and the rest of it. It's, it's around 20, 20% of games less that will be yeah. involved in it because I think it's going from 60 to 48. I think that the financial deal is 20% more than the, the previous one. Yeah, so so there is a there is an improvement there. Uh, however, I think there was an understandable amount of annoyance amongst fans because Sky have seemed to treat Scottish football as something of an of an afterthought at times. You know, we've all had this situation where you just watched a great game and Sky are saying, and now you can turn over to the other side to get the rest of the coverage. Um, on top of that, there's the fact that they keep on getting uh, club crests wrong and all the rest of it. So. It's it's a huge deal for Scottish football. It's the next five years. Um, you know the current deal doesn't run out until the end of next season. So it's we're talking the next six and a half years are are, are taken up now in terms of the deal. And uh, but for me, I think the thing is you have to look at that in comparison with the other deals that are going on just now. Uh, the championship have just had a six hundred million pound deal agreed, which has caused a great deal of upset amongst the clubs down there. Who are now talking about a breakaway because they're so upset. It's four times what what we're getting up here in Scotland, and I wonder, Scott, if if it's the time, certainly at the end of this deal, but I actually think now to have looked at the reemergence or uh, the uncovering once again of SPL TV. Uh, I'm not sure, Johnny. I mean, obviously that was mooted some years ago. Twenty years ago, Is that right? Twenty years. Geez, oh, where's the time? Where's the time went? Um, listen, in terms of this deal, I don't think you can complain too much about the about the money, just because you no know, BT and Sky were clearly the two you know, the two companies going for it. We've spoke before about how well BT have covered Scottish football so far. I don't think there's any dispute about that. But from what we know, uh, in terms of the financial package offered, BT were nowhere near what, what Sky... They, they offered yet offered. less than apparently yeah. they offered last time. So so that means that there's no real competition there for Sky. So, I mean, they're not going to offer us you know, £250 million if you know, the guy they're competing with is, is offering way less than that. So... It is what it is. Uh, in terms of the coverage, I agree with you. Sky need to, no, need to up their game basically, and I think that's going to be interesting to see whether they do or no. Because there has been, there has been a lot of criticism, no justified criticism from punters. Simple things, uh, but really important things. I think to fans, certainly armchair fans that are watching games on TV, no, that kind of no fifteen minute build up or ten minute build up, no, it's just. It's just rubbish after games. No Sky uh, don't seem to be getting manager interviews and stuff. No the things that, that punters want to want to watch immediately after the games. I think that is a a key problem, and it'll be interesting. I know some people have joked about it, but it's a serious point. It, it, it will be interesting to see what Sky do in eighteen months when they're kind of relaunching uh, in terms of the new deal when they've got it to themselves. Whether they will go to BT and no, certainly from my own point of view, if I was in uh, if I was in charge of Sky's kind of Scottish coverage, I'd be looking at maybe trying to get some other stuff. Ali McCoy, Chris Sutton, 
um, Daryl Curry, the presenter. Um, no, you, you would you would surely be looking at these at these guys that, to try and try and improve the the product. I mean, McCoyst and Sutton for me would be a no brainer. Uh, can say what you like about Sutton, but he's opinionated. He causes a bit of controversy, stirs reactions in people. No, he says what he what he thinks, what he feels. That's whether you like it or not. That's good for for TV. And McCoyst, we all know, has just got a gift for 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 that kind of thing. His analysis and co-commentary during the World Cup was terrific. He's followed that up uh, by doing games for for BT. And uh, no, I would if Sky. Are serious about improving the product, which we don't know if they are yet. Not listen, Sky might be quite happy with with what they're putting out at the moment. But if they're serious about improving it when it comes to relaunching, then um, I, I'm, I'm intrigued to see if they would maybe go and get a couple of these guys. I wonder what it means long term, Scott, and what the long term future is for watching games on TV, because we're seeing a move away from that kind of uh, traditional model of yes. You, you, tune in at a set time with, with the emergence of things like Netflix and Amazon Prime and even club media from the point of view of if you sign up for a Rangers uh, TV account, £60 a year, £5 a month or whatever it is, you can watch every Rangers game. Yeah. It's just on a delay, so after midnight, which is a good service. And I wonder if we're moving towards uh, a situation where more and more people will consume football through their club media. I think there's definitely been a... I would say a, a re-emergence of club media was that because I remember, no, possibly twenty years ago. Again, club media seemed to be taking off, and it didn't. Because it was a channel, wasn't yeah, it? Or it was a Rangers and Celtic yeah, channel, yeah, and it didn't quite, didn't quite happen. Um, so there does seem to be a kind of re-emergence of that. Obviously, but they kind of, no, everything's done digitally and online now. So you're right. No, I think more people are probably watching games and getting their content direct for the club. But I think the key thing is. If you're produce, if you're Sky or BT or whoever, if you're producing a good product, you no, know, with good analysis, good commentary, good interviews, I still think you'll get the the subscriptions if the price is right. You no, know, the price is going to be key as well. I think a lot of punters are maybe getting put off. You no, know, some of the the prices and obviously, you no, know, we've got Premier Sports involved now with the Scottish Cup as well, so that's a, you no know, yet another subscription. So and if the clubs are in Europe, then it's going to be a it's case of you're going to need BT Premier yeah, and I mean, Sky. That, that, that's tough. That, that that is tough. But I think, as I say, for Sky's point of view, they're going to have exclusive rights to the, the Scottish Premiership. As I say, in eighteen months, if they're serious about putting on a good a good product, doing it doing it properly, doing the game justice, then. Um, if they do that and the price is reasonable for punters, then I think they'll still get they'll still get enough enough fans what to tune in. Okay, well that was a moment of the week section that took ten minutes. So uh, apologies for that. We're not exactly good at uh, the old uh, quick round, quick fire round. Um, but what we're going to move on to is the comments of Mark Allen this week regarding um, his drive for elite standards. Um, Scott, what he's talking about doing is uh, adjusting the behind-the-scenes situation at Ibrox itself. So adjustments to the dressing room, moving the manager's office so it's closer to the players, um, creating a gym within Ibrox, um, I think changes to the eating facilities there. The question surrounding this, and it all sounds very, very good, you know, it's part of modernising the club, I suppose, and, and bringing it back to where it should be after over a decade of uh, the club allowing that sort of stuff to slide because of financial issues. 
how do you feel about the dressing room and the sacrosanct nature of that for Rangers fans, given its history, you know, Bill Struth picking out the the wood that's in the walls and the fact that, you know, you've got um, uh, little hooks for people's bowler hats, all that stuff that if you go on the Rangers stadium tour, they tell you, and it, it, it drives the history of the club. It's part of the history of the club. The idea that you change that into something that we've seen, for example, in the Man City documentary, where it's very yeah. corporate, very clean, very modern. How do you balance that? Well, that's the key word, balance. Um, I'd be amazed, Johnny, if you know, everything you're talking about there, that, that tradition and you know, history, maybe when you, you think of Rangers, you almost... No, you associate those kind of things with the the club. No, that that uh, kind of wood panel dressing room, the marble staircase. No, everything, everything like that. No, those dressing rooms are are, no, are probably world famous because of the way they they look. They've been the same certainly in in my lifetime. Um, they've never changed that much. I think that's what the people, no, the no, the kind of hierarchy at the club would want. No, they wouldn't want to change that too much. But I do understand. I mean, I watched a thing on, on Sky yesterday at, at Bournemouth's training ground, for instance, which has been totally revamped. And even the dressing rooms at their at their training ground have been turned into this kind of Man City style, as you say. Or I know it's the same at, at Wembley, where it's, it's almost like a cubicle you've got. Uh, it's all modelled on American football, isn't it? Yeah, We've seen that for years that. from that's America. So, listen, understand, as you say... Mark Allen's job is to, you know, to modernise Rangers and all that behind the scenes stuff. And you, know, you need to say the improvements that have been going on so far have all been have all been good. Even when we go to Murray Park on a weekly basis, or the, the sorry, the Hummel Training Centres, it's now called. <laughs> it was it, it was Murray get, Murray Park. Get used to it. Walking Howie. I can't get used to it. You're still uh, three three names ago. But even when we turn up for press conferences, you can <laughs> see the. You can see the changes. We can see the differences. Honestly, when we when we used to go during that kind of you no know, dark period for the club you know, through administration and stuff, you no, know, the place was like a like a ghost town. Honestly, I mean there was nobody about. There was no buzz about it. There was no no great vibe about the whole the whole place. It's completely changed now. I mean, you go to the training ground now, and it's there's a real buzz there. You no, know, there's no young players for every age group. Um, there's so many coaches, and no, there just seems to be so much going on. I know they've kind of revamped all the kind of offices at the training centre as well. All the youth coaches at kind of every level are all now in the one, no, the one room, whereas they were all a bit separate before. So just wee things like that has modernised the place. Obviously, you're, you're going to get the. The new stand at the training ground as well, so fans can go and watch can go and watch reserve games and youth games, which again can only be a good thing. But no, change is fine, but you need to remember the the tradition and the history and no what what some of those things mean. And as I said at the start, I'd be amazed if the dressing rooms, as one example, was changed too much. You need to you need to try and keep that tradition. Yeah, because um, that's the USP of Rangers. Of course it is. You know, you, you don't want Rangers to be like any other club, like another Man City, or that's not no. what you want as a fan. You want it to be about the nearly 150 years of, of history that is associated with the club. So 
while I get that the players need to be comfortable and they need to have a, an elite environment, ne- they need to find a balance between the two. Yeah, but also, you know, in the modern day game, how much time do they actually spend at the stadium? Anyway, I mean, the stadium now is used for, for match days pretty much, unless maybe have the odd training session there, but no, what you want to modernise and you know, get really high tech is obviously the training ground, and then they just turn up. Of course, the facilities that need need to be good at Ibrooks that goes without saying. But how many players, how many new signings, for instance, do you hear when they get the first kind of tour of Ibrooks? You no, know, they're, they're getting the pictures taken and stuff. They all talk about the marble staircase, the trophy room, the blue room. The changing rooms. There was that great moment in the video that the club did of Stephen Gerrard on his first day when he walks into the train to the yeah, um, not at Jimmy Bell from Twitter, <laughs> the real Jimmy Bell, um, and he said, you know, um, hello, Mr. Gerrard or whatever. But it was actually the moment, not that moment, but the moment that Stephen Gerrard turned round and sort of took in the dressing room, That's right. and you almost felt that the weight of his, the history of the place was bearing down on his shoulders a little bit yeah. of that, in that moment, in a positive way. Yeah, just you could just sense that he was feeling, no, this is something different, this is something special. There's a lot of, no, there's a lot of history here. Uh, is there a sense of that amongst football people, true football people, that this is a real football dressing room? This, is, this, is, this isn't some new corporate, shiny... I think, thing that, here. I this think is, that's important, yeah. Johnny, that's got to you be You can important. smell the boots. Yeah, especially because... No, the landscape we're in in terms of Scottish football, no Rangers or Celtic for that matter is never going to be a Man City or a Man U or Liverpool in terms of the sheer kind of size. No, and the, the, in terms of the finances, no, it's never going to be the case that you can totally revamp everything and get. I mean, you look at that Man City documentary. Some of the facilities. And the stuff that they had going on was just ridiculous. Well, Mark, Mark Allen touched on that in his comments because uh, he was saying we're never going to get to that level, and we wouldn't we wouldn't aspire to get into that no, level because that's just off the radar. Yeah. But they, they're they are basically run by a a, a, a Middle Eastern exactly. country. That's what I mean. It's, you need to realise where you are. Rangers are a, a huge club, as we say. We no no we great history, but that as you say, that has to be the that's the selling point for Rangers and Celtic. You're never going to lose that. That status, um, but to keep it, you need to keep up the the traditions and and everything that's gone with it up to up to now. Um, and as I said, no, Mark Allen is still relatively new to Rangers and Scottish football. He's probably, I don't doubt, came in with great. He has got great ideas about what has to be done. But no, you said at the beginning there has to be a there has to be a balance there. I'm all for no modernising it, no making it a top-class environment for players to work in. If you're going to attract top players or even not even top players, if you're going to attract young guys like Gerrard's trying to do from Man City, Liverpool, Man United or whatever, they're used to these facilities. They're used to Premier League facilities, so they want to come up to Rangers and see that it's on a it's on a par. Um, that, that is really important. But by the same token... As we've said, you still want them to walk into that home dressing room and think, "Wow, this is something. This is something a bit unique." Yeah, I, I feel like Rangers for a long time have been a, a huge club that haven't really had the level of standards that they should have had. And the good thing is that Gerard and Alan and Alan mentioned this in an interview. They know what good looks like yeah. at the elite level, and and it seems to be that they are implementing that to the best of their ability within the financial 
structures of the club. Yeah, and listen, Rangers Rangers have always been renowned for, or were always renowned for the very highest standards. That's what, certainly my kind of knowledge and experience of the club growing up, that, that's what Rangers was all was all about. But there's no getting away from it. Those standards slipped badly and basically were allowed to no disintegrate during the no during the financial collapse of the of the football club um, and obviously that was a no horrendous time for everyone involved there and I think when you spoke to or when you heard guys like no the late Sandy Jardin and other people that were no that had been around the club for so long I think no even Ali McCoyst I think that's the thing that probably hurt them the most was seeing those standards slip away, just uh, evaporate in front of their eyes. And that's why, you know, if you're a supporter now, you need to be really pleased that you know, the club looks as if it's in, in good hands at the kind of top at the top end. And certainly in the, on a football level, as you've said, Gerard from his time at Liverpool in the Premier League, won't accept anything less than the, than the highest standard possible, as you say, with the financial... Uh, restraints, obviously, and Mark Allen, coming from a club like Man City, will be will be in the same boat. So, it can only be good for the club moving forward. Things seem to be in a really, no, a really positive, a really positive note at the moment. Okay, well, we're going to move on now to your questions. We put out a call on Twitter today, and we've had a few. And the first one, I think, is the burning one, Scott, from at Robert Fulton seventy eight. Uh, should Rangers call out Celtic? Um, on the stuff they've said this week regarding fan safety? Call out in terms of saying you're not getting any tickets? Or what, what do you... I think what he's saying um, is that from a Rangers point of view, you could argue that it looks like that that is Peter Law playing to the gallery. I mean, are Celtic realistically ever going to turn down their 800 allocation on the grounds of safety? I wouldn't have thought so. Um, I don't really understand where the, the safety thing is is coming from. I mean... I think it's about but, but, getting to the ground in such small numbers, getting in and out. That that's that, This is the thing. The, listen, in, no, the way mo- the modern society is now, modern stadiums like Ibrooks the way the policing is at these games now, I mean... I would have thought the police would be delighted that there's less. Aye, it's easier for them to corral people in and out. I don't I don't see an issue, honestly. I mean, I'm not sure. I know there was the, the problem with Celtic fans at, at Parkhead getting into the Celtic end of the ground the last time. There was a there was an issue with... Mm-hmm. Well, the pe- crush, wasn't there? crushed and yeah. stuff like that. that that's a, a separate issue, but... In terms of the Celtic fans getting shepherded into Ibrooks, um, I don't see an issue. They'll be they'll be in that corner, granted with Rangers fans at both sides, but they'll be clear and no heavy police presence, no cordoning off either side of the Celtic fans. I mean, it, it would be worse, for instance, if they were maybe in a corner of the the Broomloan really had Rangers fans above them or yeah. whatever, then you'd maybe ask ask questions. But as far as I can see, they'll be herded into the, that corner, the same way Rangers fans are at Celtic Park. And I don't really see a big, a big issue with it. Do you think that there's a sense that 
Celtic and the way that they go about their relationship with Rangers, there's a lack of respect there compared to what we would have seen 25 years ago. The fact that Celtic don't use the name Rangers in any of their social yeah. media. Don't mention Old Firm. Don't either. mention Old old Firm. The fact that when they do have an AGM, um, and I say this, uh, trying to be as balanced as possible with regards to it, but a good portion of the AGM was taken up by talking about Rangers issues, whether it be, yeah. uh, you know... Uh, about I, um, I just resolution think, twelve or or about something like this. I just think that whole uh, not mentioning Rangers or the old firms just pathetic. I mean, it's and you're right. It is. It's probably from Celtic's point of view, pandering to the kind of lowest common denominator. Uh, no, in, in, a, in a section of their support, it's just it just seems ridiculous. Um, I mean, I remember I remember an interview. Scott Brown doing an interview, it must have been with, with Celtic TV at one point where no, whoever was interviewing him was so determined not to mention the word old firm and started kind of calling it the Glasgow Derby um, suggesting that no, there'd only been a couple of Glasgow Derbies uh, but then in the same breath asked him or said to him uh, you've obviously got great experience of this fixture so <laughs> I mean, you need to make your mind. You need to make your mind up one way, one way or another. Um, so, in terms of a lack of respect, yeah, I think when you when you get to that stage and you're no mentioning Rangers, no mentioning Old Firm, I think that is quite sad. And because when we were growing up watching the game, you had Tommy Burns going up against Walter Smith. You know, Walter Smith carried Tommy Burns' coffin at his yeah, funeral. Exactly. There was a great deal of respect, despite the fact that there was this intense rivalry. And you used to hear legends like McCoy East and Hately talking about being out and talking to their, yeah. seeing their Celtic colleagues out in the town, and, and there was always a great deal of respect. I wonder if some of that, in some way, has disappeared, and partially that's to do with a different way society operates on social media now, and I think whether that, or not that's a good thing or not, I don't think it is. No, not, neither do I. I think it has been lost slightly. I think there is, or there are a number of reasons for it. Probably, as we've said, you know, the Rangers' financial demise and all the kind of... Poison. Poison that, that came through that. You no, know, The whole EBT thing as well probably hasn't helped. But I think in general, the there is the, there has been a kind of loss of respect. But, but what I would say is, Brendan Rodgers, the Celtic manager, uh, never indulges in that. No, he doesn't, kind yeah. Of thing. And I think that says a lot about him. He's always very respectful of Rangers, uh, Rangers as a club. And Rangers, Rangers fans are respectful of him, as we saw with the Clyde Tunnel story. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right, next question. See, seriously, that is a serious point, though. Rogers, I yeah. think, deserves a lot of credit. No, he in, does. In that score, because he never, he never gets kind of no dragged into that to that level. And I, th- I think there's a sense of that on social media and places like that. Rogers doesn't get a lot of stick beyond good-natured sort of yeah. joshing. Um, here's a good question from at Paul Rennick 3 Given the number of fixtures between now and the winter break, what do you predict will be the points gap between Rangers and Celtic by the old firm game at the end of December? <sighs> Who knows, but if Rangers... Well, what are Rangers two points behind just now? Yeah. Um... If Rangers can get to the the winter break, still two points behind, I'd say they'd be pretty pretty happy. But no, oh, every club's got a real tough schedule in the next uh, 
the next kind of four to six weeks, but Rangers especially, I think there's two games against Hibs, there's an Old Firm, there's a home to Aberdeen. It's a really, really tough run of fixtures, uh, and this is going to be the making or breaking of Steven Gerrard's season. I think so. It'll certainly tell us a lot about the squad and about Gerrard and, and the mentality of the whole place as to whether they're going to actually go and, go and challenge for this, this title. I mean, obviously Rangers fans will look at it, say we're two points behind... You've got an old, you've got an old firm game at home, so there's a chance to go and you know, get above Celtic or go and do even better than, than two points behind. But I think if you'd have says to any any punter at the start of the season, listen, you'll get to the new year, you no, know, two old firm games down, still within touching distance, two points behind, got a whole new squad, new manager. I think most would have, would have taken that. And then you've got the you've also got the added bonus of of Europe, which uh, no many fans were were counting. On. I'm going to say something quite unpopular here, but I really do believe it. I think that um, the fans have to be very realistic about this season, and I think if they get to the end of December, clearly in second place, playing well, and a few points clear of the other clubs, Aberdeen, Hearts, Hibs, people like that, I'm not. I don't think it matters so much how far they are behind Celtic. For me, Celtic have clicked into gear quite considerably over the last few games. It would be tremendous if Rangers could keep a title run going. But I think the key thing for Rangers this season, the key target for Gerrard, has to be becoming the clear second force in Scottish football again. We've always said that. I mean, that, that was the... We said that at the start of the season. Stephen Gerrard's main objective was to... was to beat... The other teams. And it's the, worth repeating though. But it's worth repeating though, Scott, because it, fans do get carried away because of how well they've done that's so far. This that's season. what I was going to say. It's okay you saying that, and I I agree with you. But because they are where they are just now, only two points behind with an old firm game at Ibrooks coming up, it's hard for supporters not to get excited, not to get carried away, not to think. No, not to see kind of chinks in the armour of Celtic. I know you're saying they've clicked into gear. And in the main, they have recently. However, they still slipped up at Livingston uh, fairly recently. So I think you know, Rangers supporters will, will still look at the Celtic team and think, no, they're still there. They're still there for the taking. We can still get closer to them. Um, so as I say, it's hard. It's it's okay you, you saying that. They need to accept just being second, being ahead of the rest. That's fine. We know that that was the objective at the start, but when you get to be so close, you no know, kind of nearing the halfway point in the league, then punters are going to want to go and challenge. I've got one from at McDougal nineteen ninety four. Deliberately arranging this <laughs> podcast for my days off now. Yes, and rightly so. <laughs> That's all you need to know on that one. That's our colleague Mark McDougal who's uh, upset that he's not here to do this podcast. Um, your ears aren't upset though, folks. Um, who should Rangers go for in January? Positions and names, if possible, and Bosmans to look for in the summer. Well, uh, that's from at Rangers ten uh, fifteen. Now, I have gone out my way to go through the Scottish Premiership, the uh, Premier League in England, and the Italian. Serie A, to have a look at out-of-contract players. We're not going to go and have a look at silly names like David De Gea, who's <laughs> out of contract, cause, uh, or, or Aaron Ramsey, or players like that. So I try to keep it realistic. So I'm going to throw a few names at you, Scott. One that's coming up constantly, and I think is realistic, Stephen Davis. Out of contract. Yeah, I mean, we've touched on him before. 
It wouldn't. Not for me, Johnny. And nope. I know that's that'll be controversial. I've heard a lot of Rangers fans would love to see Stephen Davis back at Ibrox. I'm not saying he's not a terrific player. He is. He's still playing at a high standard when he plays for for Southampton and Northern Ireland, obviously. But I just don't know if he's the type that Rangers are looking for or Rangers need at the at the minute. Uh, no, they've got a lot of central midfielders, Would, a lot wouldn't of sitting he, midfielders. Wouldn't he be an upgrade on Ryan Jack? Because that's his game now, isn't it? He's a more of a sitting... I was going to say, that, that's that's my point. I mean, Stephen Davis isn't the dynamic box-to-box midfielder that he was when he first turned up at Rangers, I think, on loan for, for Fulham all those, all those years ago. Yeah. He is more of a sitter now and a playmaker, but I still think if Rangers have got Jack, Rossiter... No, maybe even Dorans when he when he gets back. Do they really need a Davis? Would it be an upgrade in Ryan Jack? Possibly. No, certainly get more experience. As I say, he's done it at the highest level in terms of Premier League. If you could pick him up on a free, no, why not? Of course, he's adding to your squad. Um, good experience, good quality. Um, but I wouldn't. He wouldn't be one of my, my top targets, personally. Yeah, I, I would take him. Uh, especially yeah. if you could get him on loan to have a look at him for six months and yeah. see where he is. Because what, I think what age is he now? He's 34 or 35. You look at uh, Alan McGregor, and I think a lot of people looked at his age and thought, whoa, you know... It's different for a keeper. I know it is, but, st- but still, he's as good as he was. Yeah. He's, no, he's not dropped off any. Now, I, I know that it's different for a midfielder, central midfielder at his age, but I just think... But we, but we go back to the point... We both agree that Rangers need a midfielder to open up defences. Yeah. I don't know if Steve, Stephen Davis is the guy for that. He's the guy now that will sit and dictate play for you in front of the back four. We know his passing range is excellent. Mm-hmm. But I don't think he's going to be the guy that's going to play slide rule passes no. 20, 25 yards. I think that has to be... No, we've, we've pressed home this point enough times on here. That has to be Rangers... Top target. Okay, I've got a name for you in that regard. Go for it. Okay, now this would be a gamble. There's no doubt about it. Lazio player, English, four caps for England, 25 years old, Ravel Morrison. Not played a lot of football, been on loan in Mexico where he played a few games. I didn't realise he was still contracted to Lazio. I knew he was there, but I thought he'd, he'd left there. Is he the kind of player that Steven Gerrard, given his stature in the game, could get a hold of. Now, I know there's been a lot of managers that have wondered if they could get a hold of Ra- Ravel Morrison over the that years. Has. But given he's had his time in Mexico, he's had his time in Italy, should be more mature for all that. Is he the kind of player that you could snap up and take a gamble on? Possibly. I wouldn't uh, wouldn't be against that, Johnny. Um, because I think, we've said before, I think Steven Gerrard quite likes the... The challenge of can I get a hold of somebody and really can I no moulding them into what he wants them to be, um, and certainly in terms of Ravel Morrison, if you if you listen to guys at Rio Ferdinand and that, no, they coming at Man United when he was coming through, he was the top talent. I mean, he was ahead of Pogba. Aye, I mean, he was the guy that everybody thought was going to be an absolute superstar. I think if I'm right in saying. Ferdinand tells a story about uh, Sir Alex at the at the training ground, kind of standing at the side of you know, watching a game and basically telling Ferdinand and others 
you know, this boy's going to be better than your gigs, schools, Beckham's and all that. I mean, that's how highly rated he was. He's obviously had a lot of problems, kind of off-field issues. His career's went a bit, a bit awry. The fact that Lazio took a chance on him, though, still says that you know, there's quality there. They obviously you know, seen something in him to give him, give him some sort of deal. As I say, I wouldn't be against it. A good age, he is a guy that can split defences with passes and go and uh, make kind of no no game changing passes that can get that can get you points. So, and I think the people that will be listening to this going, oh, but he's had so many problems. Have to understand that this is the market Rangers are in. If you want quality, you have to be able to take a rough diamond yeah. and smooth off the edges. Yeah. Um, well, some are willing to take Carlos Pena, but. <laughs> Off-field issues, so Ravel Morrison's like an angel compared to <laughs> compared to him. So, no, I think no, you've that one has come out of the blue. I hadn't thought about Morrison, but if he was available and you no know, juice even maybe on loan or a trial or or whatever, if Gerard could get him in, get him fit and playing well. Then I think that would be that would certainly be one to look at. I don't know if you know much about this player, Scott. He signed for Liverpool for twenty million pounds. Brendan Rodgers signed him from Benfica. He's not yeah. played much at all. His name is Lazar Markovic. He can yeah, play yeah. across the front. He can yeah. play at number ten. Can play wide, left or right. Um, still only young, still 20, 24, 25. Um, is he a, a player that Rangers could look at? Again, uh, yep. Why not? Um, Gerard will know him, presumably. Very highly rated when Rodgers signed him. No, Liverpool thought it was going to be a, a, a really huge signing for them. Uh, probably his best spell in England, you'll correct me if I'm wrong, but he went to Hull and loan and actually started looking like a, no, looking like a player again. He, he couldn't quite get into the he couldn't quite get into the Liverpool team or couldn't he, certainly couldn't get a run of, a run of games. Uh, he went and loaned to Hull, and I think it was the, I think it was when Marco Silva came in at Hull, and Hull actually started to play a lot of good football, despite getting relegated. I think the points gap was just too much to make up, but clearly there's a quality player in there. It's just about trying to get it, get it out. Um, and again, as you say, Gerard, Gerard might see that as a challenge he wants to take on if the finances are right. To get him. He'll know the player well. So yep. he'll know if he can get it out of he that will. player or not. Yep. Um another one, combative midfield player, plays for Burnley, had a good career in the championship. He's now twenty nine. Aaron Gunnarsson. Um established premiership quality. Yep. I would worry that he's no he's no featured for Burnley much recently, has he? Mm. Um no, that would maybe be a slight Concern again. The best, the most I've seen from him is playing a night for Iceland. Yeah, he's always been very impressive. But yeah. that's part of a, a very specific tactical say, unit. Carrie Anderson looked good for Iceland until <laughs> he went to Aberdeen. That's true. Um, no, again, I just don't think combative midfielders, maybe what Rangers are looking for, mm. when you've got your Koulibaly's and your Jacks and Rossers, even young Ross McCrory's, obviously still champing at the champing at the door. So. Uh, I just don't think that'll be the area, I think. And it sounds daft because we talk every week on here about uh, Rangers, know how good they are going forward. They've scored the most amount of goals yep. in the Premiership. And that, and yet, no, we're still looking for players that's going to get them more goals and, and create more. But that just seems to be the way that they've, they've got four good centre-backs. They've got 
three or four good full, but I don't see we, the we, defensive side as where they're going to want to strengthen. We've explained that over and over again. The fact is, if Rangers score one, they'll score a lot. Yeah. It's those teams that, that sit deep, and if they can't it's, break, it's them, break down, them down, initially. they struggle. Yeah. Once they get a goal, the confidence flows to the team. Because the opposition's got to come out. The opposition comes out, and it's completely different. Another player, Scott, that hasn't been mentioned, and I can understand why, uh, and it'll probably get me some flack, but I do think he's worth considering, given that he's available on a free. Gary Mackay-Steven. Mm. That's interesting. Unlocked defences, pacey. He has played for Celtic, but it wasn't a, you know, a, a, a big um, period in his career where yeah. he did it extremely well or anything like that. But as a squad player in the wings, as a as a squad player, picking him up for nothing, it wouldn't be the worst signing. Would he come into Rangers and nail down, you no know, one of the wide positions, and be able to go and do it? At the, at the highest level in terms of Europa League or Champions League as well as obviously challenging for titles. I'm not sure. I mean, I think Gary McKay-Steven throughout his career has, has lacked consistency. Uh, that's been the biggest issue. Even at Aberdeen, not just at... Well, even wherever he's been, Dundee United, Aberdeen Celtic, uh, he's never quite nailed down a spot. He never quite felt as if you could rely on him week in, week out to produce... The, right, he's that, he's that mercurial figure, isn't he? And yeah, he always I mean, has been. The moment that he's in just now, and no, Derek McInnes has said himself that he's noticed a change in him this season. I think McInnes spoke about it. I think he had a chat with him at the start of the season and wanted him to kind of take on more responsibility in terms of what he brings to the Aberdeen team, in terms of the end product. And I think, to be fair to Mackay Stephen, he's taken that on. Uh, he's got himself back in the Scotland set-up. Um, he came on in one of the Scotland friendlies, didn't he? And set up a set up a goal for, a for Stephen Naismith with a, a lovely bit of skill. So, as I said, for nothing, and as a squad player, no, you might not be you might not be far off. But in terms of coming in to really improve the first team and nail down a, a position. I would doubt whether he's one that they would they would look at. Okay, okay. Well, we're going to move on now to the final segment where we look ahead to Livingston match on Saturday. Scott, they've had two weeks rest, the players that haven't been on international duty, but there obviously is a number of players that have been out with our country. Livingston, on the other hand, don't have international players on their books. What's the advantage there for them coming into this game and the fact that they've had a pretty sustained period of rest and training Whereas Rangers have had uh, a bit of um, disruption. Uh, yeah. Steven Gerrard's been away, obviously, doing a lot of his promotion for the for the, uh, the film that he's got coming out, which is excellent, by the way. I've, I've watched it in the last couple of days. Um, and a number of players, obviously, away on international duty, which is what the club wants. Yeah. But at the same time, is there a bit of disruption there that might cause an issue? I think the any disruption, Johnny, I think just comes from the fact that... Uh, not even disruption. I think the key thing is is the preparation time that Livia have had for this game, this specific game. We all know what Livingston have been like this season, what their success has been built on. Mm. So well-drilled defensively, so well-drilled on set pieces for and against. Mm. They'll come to Ibrooks with a, a very specific, detailed game plan. And the good thing, for, or the big advantage for them is, is that they've had nearly three weeks to 
to, to put it into put it into practice. Um, I was at Livingston for a for a story last week, and uh, we were filming down on the pitch side, and uh, Gary Holt arrived, and all the players arrived, and this is about one o'clock. And I said, "Oh, f- they going out to train?" I, he said, "Yeah, that's the second training session of the day." I said, "Oh, they do two sessions." He said, two and sometimes three." Yeah. And I said, "You know what? It shows. Yeah. You can it's absolutely see it." Steve Clark's the same at Kilmarnock. I, th- I was at Kilmarnock a few weeks ago. Uh, I think it was during the last international break, expecting the players to be off because it was the international break. You no, know, a few guys were away. They didn't even have a game for like you no know, a fortnight. And I thought, well, he'll give the players a chance to go and rest, spend time with their families, maybe go a couple of days holiday or whatever. When I turned up at Rugby Park, they were literally having a break in between double sessions on the on the pitch, and I couldn't believe it. But you're right, no, the fruits of that are, are on a Saturday when they're picking up result after result, and they're flying high at the at the top end of the, the table. Um, and you're right about Livy, I just think... Listen, it's up to Rangers to break them down. Rangers have got better players. We know that. As you touched on, if Rangers just happen to get an early goal, the whole uh, dynamic of the game changes, the landscape changes. Livy need to come out. But Livy's, let's make no bones about it, Livy's game plan will be to go to Ibrox and frustrate and defend uh, and nullify for as long as they possibly can, stay in the game, get to the second half if they can, at nil nil and hope you no know, for them, hopefully nick, nick a goal on the breakaway or even just get away for get away for Ibrox with a point. And and you would have to think that with the amount of preparation time they've had, it'll be you no know, drilled into them to an absolute T the, the the game plan for this this specific match. Um, okay, Scott. Well, um, just before we go, we're going to give our predictions for the game. I'm going to go for three nil Rangers. I think it'll be fairly comfortable. I think they'll get an early goal, big wide open Ibrox pitch. I think they'll get in behind Livy and they'll they'll uh, they'll go for the jugular on this one. What do you reckon? Uh, I think it was slightly more difficult. I would still fancy Rangers to win two 0 Maybe um, if they get an early goal, it could be more. As as we've said, if they score early. They can go on and get three or four, but I think Livy will come with this this defensive shape, be tough to break down, and if Rangers can get a 2-0, they'll be absolutely delighted. I think anyone at the club should be terrified because we're both going for a Rangers one. So, uh, yeah. And a clean sheet. <laughs> okay, that's all from us this week. Um, if you can go on to iTunes, if you like the podcast, give us a five-star review. Uh, it's always helpful to get those as it helps... Uh, let people know about the podcast. Um, obviously, you can subscribe there or at Acast as well. To continue the debate, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Johnny R. McFarlane and Scott is at Scott McDermott 8. Until next time, thanks for listening. Hanging on the edge of the wild, hanging on the edge of desire.